We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. We're talking strike today. The the biggest of all the subjects, and still lots of golfers maybe don't think or realise, and we'll talk about that a bit, just how important your golf strike is into you playing better golf and understanding where the ball's going and trying to improve. So we're going to talk strike with Lou and Greg. I'm not sure this is Lou's strongest suit, but we'll see what he's hey. got to offer. That <laughs> <laughs> Lou, guys, let's go. Let's start with you. How is your ball striking, Greg? How would you class your ball striking? You know, what would you say? What does it even mean to you that word? Because I don't mean in the generic term. You know what I mean? Oh, he's such a good ball striker. That kind of classic, cliche phrase. Like, you know, your quality of strike is going to be decent as a PGA Tour player. Have you got any issues with your strike? Uh, not as many as I used to. I used to be quite. Uh... You, to me, strike is talking about like how, you, particularly with irons, uh, how you contact it, the sound, um, how much you can squash the ball uh, and still produce the flight you wanted. Um, I, mainly the sound and the feel that, that you get as a player is what I I hate. I went through a period in my career where I was a low, a lot of the time I was one group down, just a little picky with the irons, um, pretty shallow coming in, um, not quite steep enough. Uh, you know, not enough shaft lean. Uh, I'm not sure what the degrees are we're meant to have, but I certainly was nowhere near it. Um, and that I didn't really enjoy that period. Uh, so right now, it's probably honestly at my age, it's probably the best, the best. I've seen in terms, yeah. in terms of ball striking. I oh, would really? like to see on the driver's side, I'd like to see more shots. I have a tendency out of the heel. Um, interestingly, from a technique standpoint, it, it, when I push out of the lead foot better, I turn better. The strike improves. Um, okay. I get it out of the middle more readily, uh, more yeah. often. I enjoy that part. Uh, but yeah, I do have a tendency to try to find the center of the face and the driver. It's not my strongest part of my game and an area I really wish was better. But in my irons, I'm really excited about how that's going. I'm actually pretty keen to have this chat. Let's do it. Yeah. So your strikes are better than they've ever been. That's really interesting. Lou, no, joking aside, you know, your uh, what's your handicap or your index at the minute? Whatever you want to call uh, it these I days. I believe it is 5.1. 5.2. So, yeah. you know, lose a decent amateur golfer. What's your strike? Because I know you've had issues. You've not, you know, you've been, you're not afraid to hit the old JR for are you a little bit. What's, what's your, 
strike like? How would you rate your strike compared to your average player that you're playing with? Uh, horrible. I've always been a very poor ball striker. Uh, even okay. when my index was down you know, below two, below one, um, of all of the competitive players that I would play with in the, at the same index level, I was always the worst ball striker by a mile. Um, I could get it out there far enough um, and get enough shorter irons in my hand. And I had a good short game and could putt really well. Uh, and then was very streaky. And if my ball striking was off, it was, it was off. You know, you would see me. What does me that mean go, off? Like, oh, what um, do you mean? Yeah, when, like when I, them, do you mean? Or oh, do you mean just I would, fitting I them along the ground or a bit of everything or what was going everything. on? I could hit it all over the map. I mean, I, I yeah. could, I could hit it off the map, which probably doesn't surprise you with how I deliver it. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I would hit shots. I, I'd be a, you know, a one handicap and I would hit shots and people would say, is this your Whoa. first time on the course? Yeah. And then I could string a few <laughs> of those really. together. Uh, and it's, it's always been a struggle. So that's um, consistent. At least I like that. I can yeah. string a few together. too. <laughs> uh, I could string a few together. You, yeah. Very was, good. So, yeah. So you're, you're a bit of a scattergun possibly Lou, you're not afraid to use lots of real estate at the club or do you have, or do you gravitate towards one side? Like do I you gravitate to, to the hosel. <laughs> yeah. But as in, if you yeah. look at your strike patterns, do you find your center to heel to hosel? Do you, find the toe very often or it's the odd one out of there or are you a scattergun I, you know, so strikes I, are a bit all over my strike is a, a bit all over um yeah but it it's heel biased yeah uh, and it's it's uh and when i say it's a bit all over uh it's heel biased but every once in a while i will introduce uh you know a crazy toe strike it just comes out of nowhere yeah. Um, so that's more random your pattern i'm guessing you're saying my pattern is is heel biased um i I generally put it in similar spot on the club face but it's just a little it's a smidge towards the heel and it's interesting it it, um i've worked really hard this winter on on trying to move strike location and to my ears and i've tried this i have a number of old sets of clubs too and I've tried this across clubs and to my ear and to my feel, when I hit something a smidge on the heel, it sounds a little bit better to me. It's got a deeper thuddy sort of a sound that sounds better. And it I don't want to say it feels better, but in a way it sort of feels better. Like I, I will hit some and they will yeah. be dead nuts in the middle. And, and I will, I will think that was way out on the toe. That didn't sound great. It didn't feel all that great. And it was exactly where you'd want it to be. That probably makes no sense to you guys. No, it makes lots of sense. It makes lots of sense. So basically on your club face, if you take the center line, whatever score line that is, so let's say it's the fourth groove up, it varies with different clubs. When you test with with players, good players and less with average, because they often don't always feel strike quite as well, which we'll come to. Um, If you hit along that center line on the grooves, so you're not hitting the grooveless bit either side. So, you know, you, 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 you can be quite wide away from the middle. With a medium iron, lots of golfers will feel that as a decent strike. They can't separate it that easily from toe to heel if it's on that center line. When you start going above and below that center line, wherever that center line is, then they really start feeling it. So you'll be amazed how little ball speed you lose 
along the middle of the club from the geometric middle to the heel to the toe you really start losing when you move away and then diagonally go up you know toes and heels those kind of things um have you always rated strike because i would say greg i guess you have always rated strike so as a a young player, you would hit the shot and one hand come off the club because you know you've healed it and it's going to be shorter and you know you've towed it or whatever. You, you, I presume in your life you've always rated strike almost first, have you? I, I know I have. Yeah, yeah no question. No, no, you no know question. as soon as you hit it from the feel and yeah. the sound, which are basically the same thing, you're like, you, every amateur, you, I remember going for trials like England trials and the coach saying these old boys they can't see further than 50 yards stop hitting shots and taking your hand off the club because they can't see where your ball goes so they do you right. do that they he used to say and they know you've hit mm. a bad shot and they walk off and that used to make me giggle I used to think yeah he probably, in their yeah. blazers walk yeah yes yes <laughs> I used to play I remember this one junior tournament and all of our officials there was a wine um, bar down the back corner of the golf course and it was right next to an oyster farm as well. So they'd go and buy a dozen oysters, drink some <laughs> cinch and champagne or wine or something and watch us roll through and like, how's it going, guys? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah we're yeah. trying real hard. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, strike was certainly something that um, very early on, I guess, as soon as you got half decent at the game, you know, cut single yeah. digits, you started to sort of, and other good players would st- talk about, oh, he hit that really well or he struck that really well. Uh, that yeah. was more when you got into that kind of stuff. Um, I'll tell you, like in my family, uh, my father hits about a 50-yard cut with everything he hits. He had the old King Cobra and the heel yeah. was absolutely worn out. Like yeah. just absolutely just like he said, you can borrow this. I said, like, there's no face left. He's just absolutely <laughs> dug the heel out because um, he's about 12 degrees to the right um, when yeah. he swings as a lefty. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something you fall in love with once I think it's, I think it's when you're learning the game and you see other good players start saying, Hey, yeah, I like that sound or I like how that felt yeah. or, you know, you get into that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you were rent, rating strike straight away or very early Lou, how early in your golfing life were you rating strike? And the reason I ask you is I play with lots of amateurs and have done over the years and the amount of times I've seen them try to change a swing in relationship to a ball, say, overdrawing, where I just think they've towed that. You don't need to change your path. It wasn't your face. That's a toey, dippy hook. But they're obviously not rating strike. They're seeing the ball curve. So if anyone listening, is, when you move away, certainly with a club where the centre gravity is off the face, so like a driver or a freewood, if you hit the centre gravity of the ball isn't lined up with the centre gravity of the head, you're going to get what we call gear effect, which will spin the ball. So general pattern out of here, a little curve in a cut spin, subject to which side of the ball you stand on. So, you know, right to left or left to right. And then out the toe, it's going to be more of a draw by a spin as a generalised rule. Lou, were you really rating strike early on or would you find yourself falling into, oh, that one's drawing, was that my face closed or was that, strike i'd be interested to know because you're a decent player another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, you know, I, I played golf with a guy who was a great player, really good player, uh, great amateur player. And 
Uh, when I started to be a relatively decent player, um, <clears throat> I remember we were practicing one time and um, it was actually in the wintertime. It was indoors in this big dome, this indoor dome. And he had some uh, tape on his face. It was just masking tape on his face. And he would take a couple of swings and he would, he would at every swing, he'd look to see where impact location was. And I remember talking to him about it and he was hitting some shots that were you know, absolutely pulled or pushed. Um, and I would ask him about that. And he said, all I really try to do for the most part is, is kind of get the ball in the middle of the face. I want yeah. the ball to be in the middle of the face and I want my low point to be just past the ball. Uh, the other stuff I'll kind of figure out. Um, I just care about trying to hit the center of the face as much as I can. And I started to think of it a little bit more that way at that time. Um, but I will say, you know, I, I probably was um, sucked into what a lot of amateurs do where, you know, they, they demo in a hit, backswing. Yeah. Stuff, they hit a you? shot and it doesn't, uh, you know, just some variance and, and they think, Oh, I need to, I did this wrong with my swing. Yeah, maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. Um, but after that, I, I really started to, to focus a whole lot more on where the ball hit the club face, but yeah, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on approach play in in full swing it's i i spent 80 percent of my time on short game and I, yeah. I wish i would have done the opposite yeah yeah i mean and it's good to hear that you did start to focus on strike it's one of the key things i still see to this day that amazes me i've been making content for years telling people strike is king that you've got to work from strike out i buy a launch monitor that is built around measuring strike i didn't go with Trapman. i went with foresight because Trapman couldn't see strike where foresight could and that was always so important for me as a full-time coach and still is now as a coach and a content creator um to try and explain to people how important strike is and it's amazing i'm always amazed uh, how many amateurs can't tell you where they struck the ball on the face after a strike and certainly without any precision where well, I'm pretty sure you can, Greg, you're, you, if you strike a ball, you can tell me pretty accurately on most occasions where you've struck it, you'll feel it or it's the sound of it, but you, you'll say you feel right. it because you say, um, and Lou, are you good at that? Can you tell us where you struck it now? I've got, I've worked pretty hard at that. So we had yeah. Adam Young on our show uh, last yeah. year, Adam Rung. Uh, yeah. Adam Young, he's a coach. He wrote the practice manual. Uh, and that was the first time I was exposed to intentionally trying to hit different parts of the face. Um, yeah. And, you know, part of some of the things that, that I've worked on and I work on with my, my current coach, uh, Jason Giesbrecht is um, I will hit a shot. And before I look to see where the impact location was, I will guess where it was. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. And, and it's amazing how much better I have gotten at identifying where it hit uh, and then mixing into that where I will intentionally try to hit certain parts of the face. So I will, in, yeah. I will try to almost whiff it, hit it so far out on the toe, I almost miss it. And then, and then I do drills where I try to hit it in certain parts of the face. And it's, it's, it's fascinating how much better you can get at controlling where you uh, strike the ball by working on, um, intentionally striking it in different parts of the face uh, and guessing where it hit before you look at where it actually hit. 
hundred percent. This is something that amateurs just are not practicing enough. I can walk up and down a range anywhere in the world now, and I'll find loads of amateurs tell me they need to get the club on some angle. They need it coming back at some direction. They need the face twisting at some angle and they'll hit a shot and they wouldn't be able to tell me where they strike it. And then sometimes the ones who can tell me where they strike it, if I tell them to now try and hit it in a different place relative to where they've just struck it, they can't do that on purpose. And if you think about it, and it's so basic when you explain it, that's basically one of the key skills, full stop. So I can hit a 40-yard cut, but if I strike it the same tart place every time, and that place could be the neck of the club, if you think about it, if I shanked it every time, as long as I do it every time, I'm just standing 45 degrees to every hour or 90 degrees to every hour and shanking it forwards and straight. Um, the amount of people who are not practicing strike and the way Lou said to do it, there's a great way of doing it. Trying to deliberately move strike around on the face is such a, a, a great thing to practice. And again, people are they're willing to go and practice their putting. They're willing to practice their driver. They're willing to go and practice their backswing. I, I used to amaze me when I was teaching full time. I would say to people, how often do you practice putting? And they would go, oh, not that much. But, you know, I putt before I play. And I said, so you practice your putting like, a decent amount yeah over time how much have you practiced strike i would say 99 percent of them would say never and i would just 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 blow my head off that did mm. i used to think well uh that i mean as an amateur as a kid that's really all i would practice and that's all good players would practice even without knowing they're doing it because you think about when you were growing up greg you would have been putting balls on crazy down slopes, up slopes, side slopes for the fun of it. That's practicing strike. That's practicing a variation of getting that club to line up uh, with the center of the gravity of the ball, the center of gravity of the head and make a connection. Right. If you, if you boil it down as well, and I think this one's always really interesting with strike. How often is a ball spirit level zero to your feet? When you go out and play, you go and drop right. five balls out on a golf course. Now, any golf course anywhere in the world, how many of those fives are at zero spirit level to your feet? None. You could change right. shoes from shot to shot and they would be at a slightly different angle before how thick the grass is, how tight the grass is, and how Mother Nature has made that ground lie. So good players, if you think about it, are constantly adjusting their strike because the ball will be seven millimeters below their feet, 12 millimeters above their feet, two millimeters below their feet, 15 millimeters, two inches, two foot. It's constantly not level to them. And they're having to adjust to line those things up. And good players do it almost without articulating it. Like, oh, like absolutely. Would, yeah, yeah. Because they just do it. The ball's there. Of yeah, course I'm going to yeah. I'm not little, take Little a micro adjustments. But there are sometimes, there are sometimes, Mark, where I consciously say to my caddy, I'll wear on a side slope for you. Or, yeah. you know, just because I know, you know, we just, we might go through our process and all of a sudden, ah, oh, I hooked it. Well, look at that big side slope we're on, you idiot. Um, yeah. I will say this, that, you know, I mentioned earlier that, uh, I, you know, went through a period where I wasn't, you know, it was a very clean picky strike for me, certainly with five iron and up and six iron and up. And I didn't like that. Um, I went through a period where I didn't hit balls at all. Sometimes on the range, I would draw a line on the ground and try and take a divot in front of started just swinging, trying to take a yeah. divot. And it was the hardest thing ever for me to just take a divot. I just didn't move in that way. Um, yeah. My coach should coach me out of that sadly. Um, but yeah, just a little divot. I had real trouble doing that. But once I got it going, I was able to just put the ball down there and then I struck the ball much better. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, you can do a lot of things to, 
to improve the motion and, and improve strike and, and then do a session or two a week of just concentrating on, even if it's just little hip to hip stuff, just concentrate. Yeah. Don't have to hit it very far. Just get yeah. that thing, you know, a solid strike. Um, yeah. It's good fun. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Great draw I use with students. I still do it now. I'm actually running a test with people of different handicaps to see if it bleeds through on their abilities of handicaps. And I think it, will because it seems so obvious but i want to see with enough people doing this test i i, I put I give them a seven iron or they bring their seven iron we put a ball on the floor ball on a red tea blue on a blue tea ball on a pink tea pour on an orange tea and i just tell them you just got to hit a seven iron just i want one off each tea bang hit a seven iron um and let's see how you adjust and at the moment the pattern is is we see better players can just do it they're literally looking at you going yeah, what and where you give it to the high handicappers, they're properly skying the ones when you put it on the really high tee, they're finding it on the ground. They, they're just not making those adjustments that a good player will just go, that ball's now inch and a half in the air, so I might just stand up a little. I might come up a little as I come to hit it. I will hit it. I'll adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do things like that with, with my students when I'm testing because it isn't all about how many seven irons can hit the target. It's about how many seven irons can hit the target if I go and get you to take one shoe off. How many seven irons hit the target now if I get you to put one foot on the mat, one foot off the mat? Because I know I could hit that target, maybe not as close as if I'm flat, but I'm still going to hit you know, a green size target from that distance. And some people, it's amazing how much it throws them. And if you're one of the listeners who say this to yourself, I hit the ball really well at the range and then I go and play and I can't take it out onto the course. Often this is the reason because you're practicing in such a false environment that the actual things that are being thrown at you at the course, you're not really spending any time practicing. And one of them will be the variations of strike that, that are going to be thrown at you. Because I'm sure with Lou, for you, you have to do a lot of mat practice and I've worked on ranges for years and I notice a difference if I practice, not that I do, but if I hit a lot of balls on a mat and then as soon as I go out onto the grass, the first few shots, it's a bit of an adjustment. It, it's very different because the mat's so friendly, basically. Do you find that? Because you must be, Lou, practicing a little bit in the winter just on mats, I would guess. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, yeah, the mat is definitely very friendly. It's uh, something you 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 need to be aware of, especially if you have a launch monitor at home and you're you're measuring your shots. Uh, mats are very friendly, uh, especially yeah. if you hit a smidge behind the ball, um, which is what a lot of amateurs do. But I work on on low point control um, a lot, yep. <clears throat> and I have another mat that I use that uh, has almost uh, it's a fabric type surface and uh, you brush it one way and, and it be and, and it uh, changes color it looks a little darker so you can see exactly where you've made contact with the ground and yeah. I work on things where I will like Greg said I uh, where he he would draw a line and he would try to make a divot in front of the line um, I do things like that but I intentionally try to have the club contact uh, in a lot of different places around where the ball would be way in front of where the ball would be way inside and in front way outside and in front Um, almost uh, in nine places around the ball 
Um, and I will intentionally try to uh, make contact there standing from where I would normally set up just to try to uh, make my body adjust to do something different. Um, I also have my mat set up on a wood, a wood platform. Um, and I have a couple of jacks out there that allow me to jack up one side just a bit where I can get yeah. a, you know, 2% slope and I can create a, a side hill lie, uh, either ball above my feet or a ball below my feet or a downhill lie or an uphill lie. I got to be careful on the uphill lies. Cause, um, yeah, there's a couple of times beat. where I almost blew it over the top of the net into the, into the, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah. Launches a little high, especially, you know, I remember I had cranked it up and I grabbed a 60 degree wedge and I took like a full swing and I, and it was two inches away from being a real problem. Yeah. Um, so got to be careful with that one, but I try to work on that as much as I can. Uh, it would be, I'd love to have a grass range where I could you know, do all of these things outside. Uh, but uh, I try to accommodate that golf isn't played off of a flat surface and a mat. Um, if it was, I'd be a lot better player. So I try, I try yeah. to try to make things better by doing some of those things. Yeah. And for the listeners at home, if you haven't got access to those and you're hitting on mats through the winter, or even when you're practicing, just hitting the ball off, hit a seven iron from a high tier medium and a low tee is great for getting your feeling of striking in. So don't be afraid to do that. Definitely put the ball on the edge of the mat. If there's room and you stand off it, put one foot on it, one foot off it, take one shoe off, all those kind of things. You'll look a bit odd and people will think that you're not like what they're doing. But what you're actually doing is trying to add some of the variation you're just about to be confronted with as soon as you go out on the golf course. Um, That leads us to the next point. I'll ask you this, Greg. Do you have, and you already said you have, so let's, uh, triggers, so if you get into any ruts with strikes, do you have any triggers standing a little taller, putting the ball back, putting the ball further, standing closer, standing further? Do you have any triggers to try and manipulate strike if you find yourself getting into any patterns? Yeah, so, yeah, so I'm, a, I'm a sort of a, uh, I don't know what sort of learner you call it, but I, I operate well when you, um, instead of trying to force me into a motion, I make the motion uh, trying to force an object out of the way. So I'll give you an example. I will put a tee in the ground in front of the ball and I will yeah. say, okay, the ball and the tee have to come out of this ground. Yeah. Um, and so rather than if you put something behind, I tend to, I, I don't move as well. Or if you put something in the way in my backswing, I won't do it as well. It's better for me just to power on through um, and, and move everything out of the ground that way. That would be something. And look, for some people that might be, Hey, that's way too steep. I was very, I wasn't steep. So that was something I needed to do and work on. Um, but yeah, that's one thing. Honestly, I do a lot of half swing stuff. I start halfway back and I swing through to halfway through and I hit little draws and little fades. It's really great for face awareness. I put a stick out in front of me and it's great for just, Oh, I'm only hitting them 80, hundred yards with an eight iron. And I, I don't go much higher than eight iron, but it basically it's just even just a little draw and a little fade and the hands get used to moving and controlling the club and still concentrating on good contact because it's much easier yeah. to have a little shaft lean if that's what you need with those eight irons and seven irons and whatnot. It's much easier to do when you haven't got to move as far. Um, yeah. I've found anyway in my life. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one of the couple of things I come back to. And once I have it, I'm happy. And, and I, you know, I wish my driver was better then, you know, that was the only part that I'm, I'm working on hard to try and, maintain in my driver i set up obstacles to make sure i don't hit it out of the heel so i'll put something like a, a driver head cover on the toe side uh, yeah. to make sure that if i get it out of the heel i'm going to hit the driver head cover as well 
Um, yeah, that works story. well. So that can work on both sides, can't it? Subject yeah, to your toe or heely. One, one time I did that, mate, and I was an idiot, and I put um, I put a golf ball on a tee on the toe side, and of course I came through, <laughs> hit in the heel. The golf ball came off the outside of the club and went straight into David Duval's launch monitor. And I, I, I'm about to spend about twenty thousand dollars on the launch monitor. And my and my buddy was next to me, Cam Percy's next to me, said. Why don't you use it just a tea or a head cover instead of a golf ball, yeah. Rick? And I said, Yeah, thanks, Cam. <laughs> Not the smartest sometimes. Not the smartest. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that is a good way of manipulating some triggers in strike, definitely. So Greg's saying he's putting a ball on the outside, or it was putting a ball, not a head cover or what have you. Uh, box empty box of balls can work quite well on the outside or inside of the ball, not giving you much leeway to not deliver the club closer to the ball, as in if you do go toe side, it'll hit the box. And if you go heel side, it'll hit the box. That definitely is a, is, a, is a good trigger. I see decent triggers in people's reactions to the ground from posture changes. Often for students, you can tweak a posture, changes a different dynamic in the way they turn or the way they shift, and then you can find some uh, different patterns with the ground. And the strangest pattern with the ground that I find, and this has come even more from measuring on my swing catalyst plate that I've got in the studio, is getting people out of their lead side, really trying to get them to feel like they're getting up out of their lead side, which is so counterintuitive to people who certainly struggle with maybe topping because they don't want to get up. They actually want to stay down. And it's the staying down that makes that impact so often long connections to the ground, getting them to come up out of lead side, believe it or not. If you think about it, if my lead side's coming up, my trail side's going down, which will mean the club is actually being thrown down a little bit more. So people who are struggling with pull strikes where they're getting a bit toppy, it's so counterintuitive in their minds. You're saying things like up and they're thinking up's the last thing I want, but it, it that can really trigger some better strikes. Lou, do you have any triggers or are you like, you know, when, you know, finger to the wind kind of stuff, you know, or like, can you manipulate it on the course when it matters? Obviously you're practicing it. Inside. By triggers, you mean it would like when you, you ask Greg, Let's say you going one, bad. the next hole, yeah. what do you have a trigger to make that not happen? Or does it happen? Or let's say you start hitting a few clean ones. Do you have a trigger to uh, get the strikes? Working? When you shank one, I think. Yeah. Is what he said. yeah. When Thank you. you. Um, yeah. I only have one shank so far <laughs> this year. We're just one. <laughs> Um, right. that's, pretty good. Sure. That's, pretty good. that's pretty good. <laughs> so you're one up at the minute, just to let you know. yeah, I am. I am. One I think my trigger is more the opposite. When I get it going well, um, I, I, it, it's, um, I try to try to bottle that feeling. And I know that sounds silly, but when I, when I get it going well, I generally feel much better tempo. Um, and everything is in balance. Uh, and I try to remember that, but when I hit a shank, um, or a fin, uh, or, it doesn't have to be a shank. The yeah. shank's good for comedy yeah. value for the pod, but you could hit a fat one, which. Oh yeah. I could do that too. Distance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what I mean is, do, so do you have triggers to think that, to make that not happen again, or there is chances it can happen again. So to give you an example, I yeah, can catch now- it a little. I can catch it a little clean. So my poor strike when iron's a little clean. If that starts happening to me, I go more club, hit it softer, gets rid of that shot straight away. And then the other thing I can do is go the same club to a little bit less, just pump it back in my stance and start hitting lots of really strong, like punch feeling shots. That changes it. I can shift the needle in the round if I need to. That's what I mean. Can you? Yeah. Can you- and, and so I, I think, I think the work that I do on, um, trying to vary strike 
plays a big role in helping me to be able to adjust. So if yeah. I start to get really healy when I'm playing, which is my tendency, um, I've worked very specifically to try to get strike more towards the toe. Um, and I will, um, I will really focus on getting a toe strike, which helps to move it more back towards the middle. So when my so what are your triggers, what are your triggers for getting it more out the toe? Then how do you do that when you're swinging in your mind? What are you telling yourself to do? Um, I'm, I'm looking at a very specific spot, um, on the club face as to where I want it to hit. So when I'm practicing and I'm trying to hit a different part of the club face, I will, I will look at the specific part of the face that I, that I want to make a contact with the ball with. Um, and, um, that is where my focus starts to go. Um, when I start to get a little too heel biased on the course. And, and so instead of typically trying to hit the ball in the center of the face, if I, if I hosel one on the next one, I will intentionally try to, you know, hit a quarter inch uh, towards the toe. Yeah, uh, and so that will help bring me trigger. away from the yeah. heel. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and it generally works pretty well. Um, yeah, but... I like that. I love that. Yeah. Students, so many students would hit the same strike over and over again. And I used to say to them, like, I'd let them do it. And it, like, how many times are we going to hit those fat shots? Like you've hit right. three in a row. I shouldn't be telling you to not hit another one. You, we, you know, you should be trying to fin the net. I'd rather the next one go sculling along the floor. It'd be like trying to do a basket from the free throw line and just throwing it halfway every time. Like at some point, <laughs> throw it over the basket and then throw it halfway mm. and then you, like <laughs> just find there's an answer. You can find it if you try. So so you I got a great, that, yeah, I got a great story. So Greg almost broke David du Duval's track, man. Um, I do the same type of uh, object in the way. Um, I struggle with hitting it on the heel. So I will put something close to the ball so that uh, I, I can't, if I get to, if I get yeah. towards the heel, I hit that object. And I, I have uh, the mat that I have at home um, that I hit off of. It's extremely flexible um, where when you make contact with the mat, it gives an inch and a half, two inches. There's almost nothing to it because I hit enough golf balls where I don't want to have any damage to my wrists or my elbows or my shoulders. So I use this thing that's extremely flexible. Well, when I put a box on there, because it's so bouncy, when I hit, it just bounces off almost every time because there's nothing in the box. Well, I had a small box. Uh, it was maybe a little bit bigger than the size of your fist. Um, and it could fit, I don't know, maybe eight or nine golf balls in there. And so I have all these golf balls at my feet because I'm hitting <laughs> balls into my net. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put a few golf balls in here to load this box up to keep it heavy so it doesn't keep bouncing off this mat every time I make contact. Well, it's going, it's going pretty well until I get, uh, until I get way on the heel with it and I yeah. hit this box and I smash it and it kind of explodes <laughs> and balls go everywhere. Yeah. Good job. Luckily. Yeah. Luckily I didn't get hurt or didn't hurt anything in the garage, um, which is probably more important. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, Greg and I really got it going on. Greg's fire and chili peppers up David Duvall's ass and I'm yeah. blowing apart uh, boxes of balls. I feel almost hey. like we need a webcam in Lou's garage, don't we? Yeah. And maybe just, well, start a, just start, we could just start a YouTube channel called, lose webcam in yeah. his garage well and just you should ask mr these... ask mr chalmers about uh his garage door opener oh yeah yeah i but i in the winter i was hitting balls and i brand new brand new first swing with a ping driver 425 straight i am and i i couldn't 
it was going to miss the net. So I moved a little to the right, straight up, smashed the light uh, of my garage door and ruined the garage door opener. So I got it on video too. It was great. Yeah, you posted I was actually, it. It was great. I was, I was filming a swing for my coach and uh, having to catch me. You should, you, did you awesome. send him that one? Sort I did, this yeah, out. yeah, yeah. I sent it to everyone. Send him know. the bill for the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So too much power, mate. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So best practices for improving strike. I mean, we've touched on most of them there for lots of you. The biggest thing I would like to see amateurs start doing more of and incorporating into your practice, if you're not already, is just hit a shot, guess where you've struck it on the face, and then see if you struck it there. You can put um, shoes, uh, you know, like foot spray stuff on that club if you want. I use wet wipes. If you use, you know, like the sanitizer wet wipes on your face, it'll just leave a mark. That will affect how the ball goes if you're monitoring spin and all those kind of things. But if you're just doing it on a range and you don't want to really look where the ball goes, um, or certainly in a net, I like doing it in a net with amateurs really a lot as well. So it's really disassociated from the shot. Where what did that sound and feel like? Because I can, I'm sure you'll be able to do this, Greg. And people always think this is funny. I can turn away and tell them where they've struck it. So and get quite close. So I can have my back to the student. They're hitting balls up a range, and I can hear the strike and I can tell them where they've hit that. And if I can do that, they're hearing the same thing. They would be able to do that if, if they do it enough. And that is a case of what Lou said earlier. If you just hit enough shots learn your sounds, your patterns of sounds. You'll learn your patterns as well. So you'll think, oh, I felt that toey sound before I've heard that. That's definitely one of them. Um, if you're not checking that, you're actually not really practicing, in my opinion. And you could be changing something that just doesn't need to be changed. Um, Lou, I think you had something to say. Yeah, I, I, I have a couple of things. And I'm going to come back yeah. to, I have a question for Greg. Uh, yeah. But um, I I don't know if you, if either of you have ever worked with occlusion glasses this is glasses you can wear um, and they use them in other sports and they will, the way you'd use them in golf is you would, uh, you'd swing, somebody would have them on and then right at impact, they would go dark and you, you can't see, you wouldn't be able to see. And one of the things you would, you would work on with them is um, as soon as, as you make contact, they would go dark and you would have to guess not only where you hit it on the face, but where the ball went. What kind of ball flight did you get? Um, I don't know if I'm curious if, if either of you have ever messed around with anything like that, because it seems very interesting to me. I've done it with sounds. So I've done eyes and ears. I've done a YouTube video on it years ago. So if you take eyes, if you take ears away, you can't tell where you've hit it. Right, because so you don't sound, actually feel sound. anything. It's all sound. It's you right. feel hardly any impact is happening for what four hundredths of a second. You might feel twists right. on clubs that have big twists. So obviously, if you get the center of gravity off the face, they can twist more around that as you miss them, and you might feel that close. But it's predominantly sound. So you take sound. So I have got a video where I've got headphones on, full belt. I've also got. Um, a blindfold on because we were actually doing a test on if I could feel the difference between forged and cast irons because everyone talks about they're soft and they're not and you took so he, I had to be blindfolded so I couldn't see what I was hitting I had Michael Jackson Billie Jean playing full pelt so I, I got some beautiful singing on the video as well obviously the video can't hear that it's in my ears I couldn't tell if it was forged or or, or um, not forged iron at all and I struggled to tell you where I hit it and what about thin though? Surely, like, if you thin it, you'd feel like where you a mean little bit solid. more. But again, right. still, you could. It was hard. You just honestly, mm. and 
I do. T- it's really interesting, right? When I do, I do loads of club testing in loads of different environments. And a couple of the courses I've tested at, uh, one I used to test at a lot is called Dawlish Warren. Great course right next to the sea, often blowing a gale, really windy, like 20 mile an hour winds off the sea. And what happens when it's windy? It's really loud. And guess what? You hit a shot and you think, whoa, I can't quite tell where I struck that because I couldn't hear it because it, all you got in your ear is from the wind. It's right. amazing how much you'll do. If you take sound away, you'll be amazed. You do it yourself. Just put your loudest mm. headphones on, whack them up, hit some shots, get noise cancelling on. You'll be amazed how much it mutes your feel, for want of a better mm. word, of what you've done on that club. So I've kind of dabbled with that a little bit, Lou. I think that's your point, isn't it? it going black. Yeah, so I was just curious see. to see if either of you have ever messed around with it. And here's my, my question for Greg. So you mentioned that your ball striking is better now than it ever has been what what do you uh how did how did that happen what what did you do uh and uh, i'm uh, yeah uh, yeah sorry to interrupt um i am i'm moving better now than i ever have and one of the reasons why i figured out a long time ago and this is through tpi screening or whatever um I figured out my trail shoulder mobility was pretty terrible you know you know when really? do that test at 99 test I, I i had no mobility in the trail shoulder uh so you can't you can't lead with the um lead the elbow in from with the club my my, my elbow would fly out and i'd pick the ball off the surface so i had to manufacture strike and it was, it was just an uncomfortable bit uh, period but now i moved my shoulders better they figured out how to how to improve motion and i've improved about i think about eight degrees of more range of motion in in that that test they do um basically yeah. where you stick 90 90 test um in golf posture so i got more range of motion and a little stronger so yeah i'm moving a little better i've got to be honest uh, even for an old dude so um that was a big thing and then just figuring out what was the best way for my swing to be uh, i don't i don't mess around as much with it as i used to i'm not looking to uh, i love what i love about getting older is you'd stop sort of going i haven't got time to find a new golf swing now it is what it yeah. is uh, so you spend more time yeah you spend more time just hitting shots and and in the weeks when it's good, it's going to be great. And the weeks when it's not, it's like, oh, well, next. You know, I just don't have time for a five-year game plan here um, yeah. to change things. So, yeah, probably more accepting, Lou, I'd say. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you go to TPI? They're, they're in California. Is that where their headquarters are in California? I've actually, I've actually never been, but I've met a lot of trainers who do it. Yeah. Um, and I finally found a trainer who, who did it, and then, but also did, had a good exit plan out of it um, in how to build strength and mobility. So, that that was part of it. The biggest part of it was, hey, that's fine. Any anyone who's done the screening can can tell you that you got no mobility. But how do we fix that? Got um, it. That was that was the next piece, and he's he's very good at it. There you go. Improved yeah. as he's got older, Lou. So you are like you improving as you get older? It's like a hell. <laughs> I mean, it's just a pleasure to watch. Yeah. <laughs> my tickets in um, my own lottery. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So other best practices for improving strike, you can definitely muck around with ideas of moving your pressures on the ground. So left and right. So towards target, away to target, rotating more. Uh, and it is a case of experiment when it comes to strike, a really reluctant to experiment. What happens if I do hit, you know, 37 irons in practice or 27 irons and I just nudge the ball a bit further back and put a little bit of pressure on my lead foot? What happens if I do this or that or the other? So many amateurs are out there trying to find perfect. And a lot of that is to do maybe because they haven't got the time to experiment. They're just out there trying to find 
anything that repeats because they've only got half an hour and then they're going to play or half an hour and then they go back to work and play at the weekend. But if you do have the time, having a bit of experimenting to find out your patterns of strike from different ball positions, it's stuff I do with, with students who want to improve. You know, I have a ball back in the stance shot that I use. It draws a bit more. It's a generally a much better struck shot. Um, if I'm really cacking it and I need to hit a green, I might go to it. Just aim out at the right if I've got room out there and it is a little punchy draw. I know lots of good players who would go to that kind of aversion of those shots. Amateurs don't find those versions. They're too busy looking often for perfect. It's the good players who they search perfect as well, but they also search functional way better than amateurs. And it's so ironic considering they're better players, but they just hunt functional so much uh, as well as perfect as well, obviously. Um, and then the biggest thing, best practice for me, for people is just to get out there and practice hitting different parts of the face. Good players generally haven't found many who can't can hit different parts of the face to order. And even if they can't do it straight away, they can often do it in relationship to a shot. So what I mean by that is they hit one, then you tell them to move it from there. They can do that. If you tell them to it, they haven't hit any shot and you say it went off a toe, it might take them two goes to find it. But you get them to hit one shot, wherever that is, that's it slightly here. When you say, well, let's just get it the toe side of that. They can do that almost generally within one shot. Your higher handicappers of a rule of thumb can't do that. And it's because they've just not practiced doing it. So getting out there, practicing strike. Um, everyone listening, you've got you've got the right to, pras- uh, to practice strike. That's what I used to say to students. And it used to, I used to think, I don't need to tell them that about practicing their chipping or their putting, but I have to tell them about practicing strike because golf tuition has been so bred into teaching them to get the perfect backswing, isn't it? And the perfect follow through and the perfect posture and those kind of things. I have a, another great uh, drill that I, that I do because uh, I have to imagine that there's a lot of amateurs out there like me that, that are heel biased. And, and I, I think weaker players, mid handicap players, high handicap players, I think Mark, as a teacher, you would probably say they, they skew towards hitting things on the heel. Um, and one of they the things don't, I, they don't, they don't, they're actually, right, well, then, then, then this is, for those but there's plenty do. you do heal it. There's plenty. Yeah. Of so this is, and this can work both ways. So I will, when I really am struggling with the ball way too close to the heel, I will set up and I will get an inch closer to the ball towards the ball. So where I'm lining the ball up on the heel, exactly on the heel. And then I will, try to make contact way on the toe. So yeah. I will line up on the heel and then try to make contact way on the toe. And that for me, that really helps to change my movement pattern. Um, and it helps to get me back out towards the middle of the face. So it makes a, makes a huge impact for me. Do you, when yeah. you hear these things, Greg, do you, do you giggle? Because these are things that at least uh, not at the, not, not at the level that I'm at, um, I'm curious, and I'm sure a lot of people like me are curious as well. Do you, are you focusing on these things as a world-class player uh, or oh, are you doing yeah, different oh, things? Yes. No, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I, I had to tell someone the other day, I was giving a lesson at my club the other day and it was about the setup and, and they said, Oh really? I thought I had that. And I said, dude, I just did a full session. I was concentrating on setup. I've been doing that for 27 years. You know, checking the basics, making sure my grip was right, making sure all the all the fundamentals that I need, shoulder alignment, whatever my tendencies are, making sure that was okay. And then you start getting into these sessions. We're talking about strike and things like that. 
Um, yeah. And then I will go through this process. And if I'm striking it nicely, great. But if I'm not, the first thing I go back to is, well, how's my setup? Where's my ball position? Where's all the fundamentals and see, because I'm very setup based, you know, based player. But yeah, no, absolutely, mate. This is such a hard game. <laughs> the amount of times, you know, all of us are, are trying to find or focus on, uh, you know, find our tendencies and then focus on how to manage them and maintain them. Yeah. I think that's just such a, a, an important takeaway for all the players listening that are like me. We're just weekend warriors. A world-class player is working on things like setup and, and drawing a line on the ground and trying to have a divot start after that line. Uh, those are the, I think some amateurs, and I'm basing this off of some of the, the players that I've talked to that I know, some of my golfing buddies, where if you ask them to do things like that, they think that, you know, their nine handicap means they are above working on those things oh, and they shouldn't be working 100%. on those things. Right. Yeah, so right. it's, I think it's important for everyone listening to realize that a world-class player is doing those things. And it's extremely important to, 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 uh, to work on that in your game. Yeah. hundred uh, percent without a doubt. One little thing for you, Lou, I'd be interested in you doing, I don't think you can do it with your launch model, but you might be able to with your, mathematical genius um <laughs> but you don't need to tell me that on the pod or not but so if you get a chance to go on a launch monitor it's going to show you face and path because your launch monitor isn't showing you face and path is it basically your launch monitor is showing you ball yeah but i've i've untangled that You've, so yeah so I, I, yeah okay yeah. yeah so you have so with your untangling a yes. little game for you and this is anyone who gets a chance to go on a launch monitor, it's a great game to do um because just before we finish i want to talk about lose striking so he says he struggles with his striking and this is a pattern i see with um lots of amateurs is we're talking about lots of drills where it's you know you try and not hit it in the place you're not meant to hit it and for lots of amateurs that almost sounds too basic and like you said the nine handicapper i don't need to do that i'm a nine handicapper absolutely keep doing that and they're really important skills to have but the root of your strike comes from your delivery lou which we've talked about lou tends to stand the club up a little bit and then gets his hands up for impact which is great for hitting a little bit out of the old uh, wrong part of the club um can you when you do your drill where you try to not hit it out the heel so you yeah. try and hit one out the middle one out the toe one out the yeah. heel you need to do next time you do it i want you to tell us you can tell us on the next pod or you can tell us on twitter follow lou on twitter if you don't already um can you keep path within a one or two degree tolerance of itself so let's say your standard swing out the middle, you've got a two degree path from whatever direction. I want you to hit one out of toe and I don't want that path to move more than one degree, preferably tolerance from that. Because one of the problems that you do get when people start to move strike is they start butchering path because they can't disassociate the two. And that is a skill that I definitely find better players have. They don't butcher path. They certainly don't butcher face angle to hit their toe, to hit the middle, to hit the heel. So that would be a great thing. I don't know if you know the answer to that. Or you've not tested that. I don't know. Um, if you have. I'm I'm pretty consistent um, at keeping my path um, in kind of the right right area, and it's it's one thing I've worked really hard on is path and angle of attack. And at least for me, I, and I'm sure a lot of people are like this, having a feedback loop is extremely helpful. So I have a, a Bushnell Pro Launch, and it gives me angle of attack and it gives me club path. And I do things with angle of attack and club path, just like we talked about with face, where you're intentionally trying to move strike to a different part of the face. Well, 
I was, you know, my, my delivery, my angle of attack with my irons was maybe a little bit needed to be a little steeper. So I was one, was to, two, one, one to two down roughly. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I needed to get it to three to five down. Um, and I would do things like, um, you know, grab a wedge and, and try to get 11 down with a wedge or a nine iron or a seven iron just to see what that felt like. And it was great to, you know, to take a swing and get that feedback and say, okay, well, boy, that really felt like it, it you know, that had to be five down and it was only two. All right. Well, yeah. let me see what nine down feels like. Um, and I would just mess around with that. Um, and that was extremely helpful to get that feedback loop. And I would do the same type of things where I would swing and, I would, uh, I would try to guess what the angle of attack or path was before I looked at it. And the more I did it, the better I got at it. And, and the better yeah. I got at guessing what it was, the better I got at, at moving it around a little bit. And, 100%. you know, that can, you know, really help, especially when you get into, you know, situations where you, where you need to get a little steeper with it. You get, uh, I don't know, on a downhill lie, you probably want to get a little steeper with it. Um, and I can now control that a lot better by, by working on those things uh, very specifically. Um, so that to me is one of the, the best use of having a launch monitor at home. I can get to do things like that. Hundred percent, and you you hit the nail on the head there, Lou. And one of the defining factors with better players, and I was suggesting it earlier with the spirit level idea of how often is a ball spirit level zero to you. Good players will be doing these adjustments. So you said hitting down on it a little bit. If I go and put Greg on a fairway in a slight bit of a divot or just a down, you know, it's a flat lie, but the ball's just sat down. He's probably going to just go to his little punch shot there, which is going to go to about six or eight down where he might be two to four down. If it's a lovely plush lie and that's his standard play. Um, he'll have weapons out of different lies. And the only reason he has so many weapons. Yeah. He is the weapon, <laughs> <laughs> but he has these weapons because he's been in these situations and gone, okay, that didn't work. I'll have another go. And all oh, that, that works better, which is very similar to trying to find the center of the, uh, of the, of the face. It's getting out there in the different situations and finding those patterns. I, I, I've had so many amateurs where the ball is sat up, you know, a bit of fairway that's not cut that great, but the boys sat up on it. They just play a regular shot. I'm like, well, what? Like that ball was like, you didn't, like, I didn't say anything because I wanted to see what you do. And they do it. And you think, and then they, you put another one down and tell them to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, the shot's so different. I think in 18 holes, how many times are you making these poor choices? You know, there's, you're, you're wanting to me to check if your face is perfect angle at P1. Well, you're probably leaving three and a half shots out on the course because you're just choosing ridiculous shots from different lives. Because again, you're not practicing that strike variable, basically. There we go. That's a strike pod. We've struck it. We've struck the strike pod. I like that. We did. And Lou, nice. I've got Very confidence good. in what you're doing there. I think you'll conquer your strike. I really do. Yeah, I have to give uh, Jason another shout out. I've yeah, talked dude. about him before. Jason Giesbrecht. Uh, I've been working with him remotely. Uh, he's a Canadian-based coach. Isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's on the other side. He's over on the Pacific side <laughs> the of side. Uh, of the of the country. So um, it, he's a long way away from me, but it's it's we've worked remotely, and uh, it's been it's been awesome to uh, to make a lot of progress. Um, I still have a long way to go, but. Um, I can, I can see the actual progress, um, right. not, not just how my swing looks because it still looks, 
you know, still doesn't Beautiful. look as nice as fun? I would want it to look. Um, but it's, it's a lot more functional, you know, yes, being like able to step up to irons and, and know that I've moved my, you know, something like my angle of attack to three to five down. Uh, it's much more functional and, and I can hit better shots, um, um, you know, with these changes I've made. So a huge shout out to Jason and thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And you're a proven team event winner, Lou. So, I mean, the, I'm I a pros you know, anchor. I think we should just was, clap you every week. I did it for you. <laughs> <laughs> One clap. We, we got a big, big qualifier coming up this weekend, another team event. So, team qualifier. Face <laughs> <laughs> him individual golf, why don't you? Do yeah, you that's coming up. It's coming up. Individual you guys golf. are just trying to get on the live tour, aren't you? You want the big bucks at the end you know you in i'm going on the website now events teams and players lose team can't see it in there it's not announced yet lou it'll be soon you'll be on yeah. uh, I've, yeah. I've improved my game just by learning to pick better partners have you, have you asked for your release yet lou i haven't seen, uh, I, I haven't seen the email come through asking for the release from the hack no. it out school of punishment no I'm, I'm 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 sure i'm sure as soon as i do though there, there'll be a Hey, hey, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm tapping out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave I'm that bomb just yeah. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. There you go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Main takeaway from today, if you're not thinking about your strike when you're hitting your golf shots, you really aren't practicing to the full effect. So make sure you're always working it in to every shot that you do. Um, let us know how we did in the pod and what you'd want to see. If you want to see any other subjects, let us know. Thanks for listening, as always. And we'll catch you in the next podcast. Thank you.